welcome to episode 32 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hey, Sarah. 32 sounded impressive to me. I don't know yeah. what that was, but it was it was like a it's next level stuff now. Start getting into like, yeah, 30s, and then I start thinking about when we get to 52, that means a year. Ooh, it does. Yeah. That's true. You think That's of time right. a little bit different. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting, but 32, Wrong 32 way. episodes. So super fun. And we are joined today um, by Ryan Nunn and Josh Stanley, who are both part of the One Life Church staff and both at our Henderson campus. Yes, and we are. Yeah. Yeah, jo- excited jo- to be here. This is my <laughs> this is my second time on the podcast, so oh, nice. I, I'm I'm starting to you know I'm starting to get there. Getting I'm, used to I'm it. I'll be a professional before you know it. That's <laughs> right. Ryan's been on a few times, and we yeah. we appreciate you guys coming on and, and talking with us today. And what we want to do today, um, starting or I'm sorry, yeah, beginning this Sunday at every One Life Church campus, we're offering what we call our Kickstart Group, and that is just a way for you to find out a little bit more about One Life, um, who we are, uh, what we believe, why we believe it, the mission, the vision, the values, and also just kind of exploring how to get connected to other people. So um, it's an opportunity for people. And at the end of that uh, grouping experience, we ask people, hey, if you have any more questions about faith or about One Life, um, write them down on a card and turn them in. And we take an opportunity um, to either maybe write them uh, through our blog post or talk about them here on the podcast. And so we're going to do that today, um, which should be pretty fun. We always get some some really fun conversations. And we will say this probably multiple times, but we're not saying that um, this is what you have to believe on everything. These are just the conversations that we're going to have and and, um, hopefully help you understand some of these things a little bit better or a better way to explore them for yourself. But before we do that, um, Josh actually leads the Kickstart group at our Henderson campus. And I think it's cool to maybe take some time and just talk about what Kickstart is and what that's been like for you. So Josh, tell us a little bit about what Kickstart's been like since you've been leading it. Yeah. So my wife and I, uh, my wife, Kelsey and I have led Kickstart for the last couple of years now. Um, and it's been a really cool experience to be able to do that. Um, but before you know, before any of that, Kelsey and I uh, both grew up in church and, you know, we moved to Henderson and we were looking for a church home. Um, and I think it was either the second week we were there or maybe the very first week um, Kickstart was being offered. And so I was like, well, Kelsey, this is what we need to do. We need to go through Kickstart um, and, you know, kind of figure out what this is all about, you know, while we're trying to decide where, where we're going to call home. So we went through Kickstart and it, it answered most of my questions as far as, you know, who we are, what we are, you know, who one life is, what, what the whole story is. Um, and it was a, it was an awesome experience for us. Um, since we've been leading it, um, it's gone through some different changes and when we went through it, it's, it was a four week course. Now it's down to a two week course. And I think that that's been kind of cool, um, to kind of shrink that into two concise weeks, but essentially what it is, is just kind of the, who we are, what we're about of one life. Um, and it really fleshes out our mission and vision on that first session. And then on that second session, our 12 value statements. Um, and it, it really is, if you're, if you're new coming into One Life, whether that means you're you know, new to the faith or you're just new to Henderson or just new to One Life in Henderson or you know, in you know, any One Life campus, I guess. Um, but it, it just kind of allows you the opportunity to figure out what it is that we believe um, as far as you know, how we do things, why we do them that way. Um, and you know, just what it means at, at, from coming from our seat. Um, and I think it's been really cool. We've Kelsey and I have met a lot of cool people, um, a lot of people from the community there in Henderson and, you know, kind of just to see their walk of life and where they're from and help them, um, to find a place in at the campus to kind of get involved, find their niche group of people that they can do life with, whether that be in a kind of a growth setting in a group or, kind of living on mission with with some people who have some similar passions as they do so it's been a really cool experience um and i you know i think that um ryan and i have been talking about this the last um, couple months now i'm working on or we're working on uh uh, solidifying some new leadership for there um in one of at our campus for someone who's going to be able to kind of take that and run with it even bring it to that next level where we can really see a lot more um uh, going on as far as getting those people who are brand new to, you know, the area, um, into that kind of figure out who we are and then help them find their place to belong with us and, um, you know, kind of track that through the the process. So it's exciting. Um, I would definitely, I definitely encourage everyone I talk to on a Sunday morning to come through kickstart. It's, It's good stuff. So did you, did you join kind of 
when you reach the end of Kickstarter, you go, oh, okay, this is where I want to be? Or did you go to other churches and go to their version of Kickstarter and sort of compare all of them like a buffet line or something? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> actually, that, that's a good question. I tell, I actually tell this story in Kickstarter um, when, I, when Kelsey and I are leading it. Um, we got Kelsey and I got married in 2015, and I moved to Henderson. She was already here, or like, we're not here, but in Henderson. She was already there in Henderson. And, uh, and so the you know next step was hey we want to find a church home um so the plan was we're going to go you know here and here and here and just kind of you know weigh our options i'm a very analytical person so very. I, <laughs> so i was like you know we're probably going to create a spreadsheet and things like that no it was, <laughs> so i uh, so we went to one life the the first i mean that was our first stop and it was actually the very first installment of a like a marriage and family series it was the model model family series and I was like, oh, that's that's cool. And I was talking to Kelsey. I said, um, you know, we're newlyweds, so we should just stay through just through this series. And then we'll go visit <laughs> this other place and that other place. And, and then we'll make our decision. And we just kind of fell in love with, uh, you know, the mission and the vision of One Life. Um, and, and part of that was because we got right into Kickstart um, and kind of got to see all that, like the inner workings of why it is that One Life does things the way they do. And we just kind of fell in love with it and. And we never left. We never visited anywhere else. See, there you go. If people would just do what we said to do, <laughs> they, they, everything would be fine. But why do you? I, I think it's an interesting thought. Like, why do you think that? Like for Josh, because I was the same way. Like when I came to One Life, like I wanted to know about it. But mm -hmm. some people just want to come in, and but they don't necessarily want to go through Kickstarter or through that experience. But they want to be. I don't know, connected, but I don't know why, why is it some people come in and they really want that, and some people just don't? Like, what is it that entices you to? want to go through something like that for me personally Anybody. personally for me I just I've grown up in church um, and moving to a new area you know I was going to be looking for a new church home um, and so I kind of knew at least the key points like I just want to make sure that um, my values match up with the church's values and yeah. I don't want to end up somewhere that just is misaligned with what I you know what I want to see happening um, so that's why, I, you know, I immediately wanted to go to something exactly like Kickstarter because of the questions about those things, just kind of the DNA of who One Life is. That was the questions that I had. Um, so, I mean, that was personally why I wanted well, to jump in Yeah, there. it's the kind of things that I wish people cared about because if I were going to church too, I'd want to know why they do things. And and sometimes we do have people come to our church that they'll be there for a while and then they'll ask why and, mm -hmm. and maybe even get upset. <laughs> what do we do that for? You know, well... You want to say, hey, you know, if you went to Kickstart, we explained that. And and then if you don't like the why, that's fine. But if you just kind of react from your seat, it gets a little frustrating. So because that's what it is. It's really saying, OK, when you see us do everything from the I think someone uh, we got a prayer request card this past Sunday that somebody wrote what too much smoke or something like that on the, on the card. <laughs> okay. That's, I, I, that's fine. Uh, but why do you do the smoke? Why do you do? Okay. We will explain it. again. You don't have to buy our explanation, but mm -hmm. it's nice to know if you, if you hear that you would at least go, okay, well I get it and I'm on board or I'm not on board, but yeah, I think there's a big draw yeah. with the emphasis of the excellence that we put on our Sunday morning experience. You know, that's a, if you haven't been in a setting like that, I mean, it's, it's pretty, you know, uh, impressive initially. Mm -hmm. And so lots of people that I talk to, especially in Henderson, which is a little bit of a smaller, uh, field than, than Evansville, um, that you walk in there and that's pretty impactful. So that's, that would be something that initially I would want to be a part of just because it's that, just because the, you know, the music and the, our language that we use is super uh, disarming. But then whenever, if you have people that have been in church their whole life, um, once they, like you said, they get frustrated because things aren't, okay, wait, we've never done this in a church or we didn't do it like this in the church I grew up in. And mm -hmm. that really meant a lot to me, but all the things I love about one life are the things that are different from everything I've ever experienced. So like, there's almost like this wrestling of tension that there's kind of this fresh way of looking at things that people really like. Um, but when it comes to, um, you know, grabbing a hold of the real reason behind the why that we do that is very intentional reasons why we do the Sundays the way we do them. Mm -hmm. um, that tends to trip people up. Some they sometimes easily missed. And uh, I loved what you said. Well, you should have gone to Kickstarter. Well, yeah, and I, and I want people to know the why because sometimes I think they're interpreting it through a grid like uh, we do that just just simply because we're trying to be cool or we're trying to be loud or whatever we're trying to. And it really is not that way. I mean, it's uh, that that's not the 
the kind of thinking that goes into the motivations. And so I wish people knew the motivations behind it. Yeah. And I'll lead in to kind of the beginning of kickstart. A lot of times when I'm kind of introducing myself and you know, what the kickstart experience is going to be, I'll kind of lead with that sometimes like that one life is a lot different than maybe where you grew up or, you know, just the more traditional church setting that you may have experienced in the past, but there's intentionality behind that. And kickstart is kind of designed to, give you those whys like why why do we have the hazer and why is the music so loud and the lights low and things like that but we those those decisions were made with intentionality and so given those whys you know can kind of bring people into the loop a little bit and every tech guy that heard you say hazer instead of smoke is gonna love you yeah you know i, 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 I was quoting that. a prayer card i thing. know you were <laughs> i only it's heard a, that that, that our should be our response it's a hazer sir <laughs> it's, it's not a we don't I, even do smoke i only know that because our tech guy has said it and i've just That's been right. privy to it there you go yeah good catch yeah. why the hazers what's up with that yeah yeah it'd be at least devastating to do that in oh man well it's a good time to mention if you are interested in finding out uh, more about kickstart or interested in registering for the most um the next upcoming kickstart um which if you're listening uh the week of what is this would have been the week of the 21st april 21st 2019 um you can go to onelifechurch.org slash kickstart and register for this sunday um but we usually do them um every couple months and there's an opportunity for you to sign up but you can check out more about kickstart there watch a little video about it um, but also register and we'd love to connect with you there so make sure we hit that um as well but what we do want to do is use the rest of our time today and talk a little bit about some of the questions that people have submitted um and i will um read a few of them and and whoever wants to you know decide to answer one of these questions um, you just feel free to jump in so these questions are from people who actually have been through kickstart and these are some of the questions that um, we just had said hey if there's something that's still on your mind that you didn't get a chance to ask or maybe you've always wanted to ask in church and maybe sometimes for some reason you didn't feel comfortable asking out loud write it down and we will do our best to try to just have some conversations around it Um, so we're going to do some of that today so, and Josh, uh, I'm sorry to yeah, interrupt, but Josh, uh, and I'm remembering the way we designed the, the 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 experience was this was under the value of you can we believe you can bring your brain to church that value yeah. and, that, and that where we bring up the questions like because we we I talk about so, we yeah. want to create an environment where you can feel like you can ask sure uh, thing Is it, am I remembering yeah, yeah, that yeah. correct okay <laughs> it's been a while since um, <laughs> well and now that, that now process. that we've condensed it into the two weeks that all the values are in week two and the mission and vision are in week one. So we, oh, okay. but we do get to that in that, you know, the I haven't been to the newfangled yeah, express <laughs> version of the thing, uh, but I'm impressed you graduated from the real true meaty <laughs> That's right, the one four, that, no yeah, one, the four right. we, that we need to change <laughs> off of. Yeah. Got a bit of tenure. <laughs> no, 12, 12 of them are going, okay, good. 12 values in one day. Here you go. Yes. Get ready. That is one of our values that we evaluate everything for continual improvement. Right. We evaluated the Kickstarter experience. If you can, yeah. man. Right. People get over with. don't commit to four weeks, but they might too. So that's, that's what we do. Good. That's good. <laughs> right now. Um, so I'm going to jump in with uh, uh, a good question. So um, I don't know who wants to answer it or not necessarily answer it, but at least start the conversation on it. So uh, the question is, why are Christians so critical of different lifestyles attending any church? We should be open. And, and maybe this question is less about um, one life in general, um, but just in general, why are Christians so critical of different lifestyles? And I think maybe the question might be um, something that we see in culture today. A lot of people believe that, that people of faith are critical of other people's lifestyles or other faiths. And um, I'm not really sure if I would agree with that, um, but maybe it's, it's how people are perceived. Well, I, I feel like in, in American culture, at least especially in, in Henderson, I guess I can speak the most directly to, is, um, you know, we tend to correlate Christianity uh, or, you know, being followers of Jesus with this kind of weird thing. Like I have to be, you know, Mr. Mr. Morality um, here and I can't, you know, there's no messing up and, and um, you have to be kind of holy or whatever it may be. We tend to, to link our connection with Christianity to our behaviors and what we do or don't do or can't or can't do or should or shouldn't do and things like that. And so therefore, uh, so therefore if we're committing our lives and our identity is rested in, in this, this form of us being good, um, and we're fighting hard for that and it's, and, and, you know, and really trying to make that happen. And I think that's a beautiful thing in some sense, but when there's somebody that would challenge 
that understanding or that reality or that lifestyle that, that you've chosen to on, kind of honor God with your behaviors and all that way. And somebody that comes in kind of claiming the same thing that you claim and, you know, all your values tied up in behaviors and they don't behave the same way you do. I feel like sometimes, and I've probably been there. I mean, I was raised, you know, in a pretty conservative, I mean, my family was very, um, you know, not like super harsh, not super, um, you know, we were not unaccepting, but the, the context of the church, which I was raising was super behavior driven. And so there was a, a almost a fear in a sense of letting some outside viewpoint infest or infect or whatever, however you want to say it, it sounds harsh, you know, but I think that that was a, probably a, uh, uh, probably a viewpoint, subconscious way of seeing it, uh, infest, uh, your lifestyle and what you're trying to do in your relationship with God. And so I think it's a really dangerous thing for us as, as followers of Jesus, um, to link our goodness, if you will, will, yeah. uh, with, um, with, that you know it's despite of the fact that we're not good and jesus still did what he did for us and when we celebrated this last weekend that's where the beauty of the message is and sometimes that just gets lost um and translated as behavior modification it's a it's just unfortunate and sad yeah it strikes me when you when you want to get to the why it uh, and I, i hear you saying this is that it it's probably comes from not a true deep sense of grace and what it meant and and uh in, in being impacted by that in other words i i didn't there are a lot of people especially people who grew up in church and it does become about behavior and and i i have sympathy because there's first of all there is a behavior part of it because i know that there was a time in my life when i was on the road i was living life for myself i was doing my thing i was making my own rules i was doing my own thing and i knew when God was calling me, that's over. That's done. You're 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 going to go on a different road, and and you're not going to do things the way you say to do them. You're going to do things the way I say to do them. But it's it's the and so you associate it that way. You're going another way, but you leave the grace part out of it. And you're if if your if your heart hasn't been humbled adequately by grace, you'll tend to just become Mr. Uh, moral majority guy and, and think and kind of point the finger at everybody else instead of the mercy side of it. And that makes me think yeah. of a message that you preached one time and you talked about the, um, that's a great think, intro for all of your answers. This one sticks with me all the time. I mean, you talked about there's a, the, 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 it was a, it was a parable, um, of the, I can't remember. Where's that? What is that? Anyways, That's the what, other part you should add about the messages. Was, it reminds me of a message, but I don't remember it at all. You know, if we all had yeah. we all had these debts, right? If I had a five dollar debt, you know, Josh had a right. a fifty dollar debt, and and Sarah had a five hundred dollar debt, and you had a fifty thousand dollar debt. Yeah. You know, there's this idea of somebody who was walking like a train wreck life that that God literally kind of saved them out of or called them out of to use the language that you used. There's a there's a sense of gratitude there. Um, that there may be more than if I'm just a kind of a, you know, the, the whole $5 debt gets paid off. I'm super grateful that somebody pay for my $5, but I don't feel the urgency or the weight of $50,000 like you did. Right. And so there's this, it's like we lose touch at some point along the journey with our, with our walk with Jesus. We lose touch and we forget what it, the weight of that $50,000 debt feels like, or we're maybe we were never able to identify with that to begin with. And it's really hard to, to walk with grace whenever you have lost the sense of urgency or weight of what you've actually been forgiven from. Yeah, I was taken from a, a story that Jesus tells where the, the woman comes up behind, the, the woman who lived, lived a sinful lifestyle. She's washing his feet, she's crying, and then he tells, and the Pharisee says, well, if you knew what kind of woman she was, you wouldn't be responding that way. And then he tells a little story, which one would be more grateful? Mm-hmm. And and the hook to the story is the Pharisee assumes he doesn't have a debt, and she does. And if he would recognize that he had a debt, he would be doing what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And his whole point to the Pharisee was, you don't realize you have a debt or you'd be doing the exact same thing. So I guess back to the question is the reason that people do it is because they've lost touch with grace. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and some of us who have associated with lifestyle because we were very different before, it's hard to remember that if you haven't been there for 30 years and you really, you really turned over a new leaf and quit doing all the things you were not supposed to be doing, you can tend to all of a sudden get real self, self-righteous real, mm-hmm. real fast. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's a loss of touch with grace I, would be my thing. I um, if you ask anyone in my 
in my growth group, they're, they, they would probably tell you that I can figure out a way to relate any conversation to the table series because I don't know, that one just, that one just is, is something that. Well, uh, you are groups guys. So there you go. That's yeah. right. It's, well, that, that's, it's in your job description. Yeah, exactly. I have to relate everything to the oh. table series, but, um, but that's kind of what it makes me think of because I think it's, it's easy to, if you have found your seat at the table, um, to, to consider, you know, to think of yourself like, well, I have a seat at the table. Um, and, and that's good. We, we do need to identify as, you know, someone who's been invited to the table. Um, but what we have to kind of keep in mind, and I guess as it becomes critical, this is what must be forgotten is that we don't deserve our seat at the table any more than with the $5 debt, any more than the $50,000 debt. We both deserve our seat at the table equally, um, which is, you know, none. Um, but we, we have been invited there. And so it's our kind of responsibility to bring other people to the table. Um, and so I guess, you know, if it becomes from your seat at the table, if it becomes critical, I think that's a miss um, because we're we're forgetting that it's our responsibility to pull up a seat at the table for them as well. Um, so, you know, that's how I relate it to the table. Mephibosheth. <laughs> Mephibosheth, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And we will do that the rest of this time. I will. Well, no matter what the question is, relate it back to the table series. How does that I think relate to the table? we've got a dinosaur's one coming up. Really yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll look forward to that, yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, move on to another question. And um, so the question is, so I have the question that was written, and then the person um, who led Kickstarter at that time tried to um, also kind of translate a little bit of, of what they think maybe was saying here. So uh, where where do you draw the line, question mark? God is in control of everything, or is it man's responsibility to do? And kind of I think what we're asking is, is how should we balance the idea that God is fully in control of everything with the responsibility of humans to participate in the affairs of the world? Yeah. All right. <laughs> you, did awesome. you drew the short straw for that one. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have a go-to uh, illustration on that topic. Is it um, from the table? Uh, it, it, you know, I wish it was. I don't think it, it is. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we did a study response. of Ephesians. It wasn't the table. It was Ephesians a few years back, and we did the first chapter, and we talked about predestination and those things. And uh, one thing I always want to say is that you always have to remember that true classic, classic atheism does not believe in free will. That's what a lot of people don't know. Uh, they think Christ, Christianity has a problem with free will versus sovereignty. A true atheist does not believe in free will. They believe that all your thinking, all your action comes from a chain reaction that started at the Big Bang. And so mm. you're just, uh, they are fatalist and determinist. So uh, Sam Harris wrote a whole book on that. So, uh, but that's not my illustration. My illustration is this, and, uh, and uh, you guys can fill in blanks, is following uh, my grandchild around. And, I, and you relate everything to the table. I relate everything <laughs> to my grandson. Uh, but, but I'm watching this again because I watch this with my kids. It helped me more than any other single thing I've experienced was if you've ever followed around, he's two. If you've ever followed around a two-year-old and just let them go, you're, you're watching free will and, and sovereignty in action at all times because I'm the sovereign. He ain't going anywhere. I don't want him to go ultimately, but I let him go all kinds of places because I try to do that. I was with him just yesterday and... He, I mean, he picked up every little rock and stick and smelled things and looked at things and threw things. And But every now and then he wanted to go over towards the street and say, nope, you're, you're going to stay right here. The overall experience was designed by me, the overall uh, direction of where he was going. But I... But he didn't know either. He didn't know what how much I was. He thought he was as free as a bird. He was just doing great. He would, been, and he was. He was making choices. But he wasn't even aware of my ultimate kind of watchdogging of that and for me that's a matching I don't think this question is as far the reason I use that illustration is it's not as far from our own experience as we sometimes think of it uh, it's not completely unrelatable in my view uh, that uh, that God is sovereign yet we have free will it's not we do that as parents almost as a lifestyle even before our kids get there and they arrive we build a nursery for them or we plan things for them we set up these parameters but still there's these areas where they can uh, go around. So I don't know if that helps you or not, but it's always helped me uh, just to think of my my kids or my grandkid running around in front of me. So that's a good one. Yeah, I remember you giving that illustration when you taught 
on the message. That's the only one I have. And I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you had your grandson at the time. So it was a little less personal. So I think it makes, it's even stronger now. Now you should. Yeah, and I am. I'm experiencing again. And it's, it's, it's fun because that's exactly what I saw here. So I was going to get a kick out. I was like, it it does. It works. It's fun to watch. I feel like that's one of those questions um, as people are exploring faith, especially in kind of a college age that you kind of, enjoy having conversations about a lot and these debates and you feel like you have to land on one side or the other and you have to argue. And I feel like, um, as you explain it that way, I'm like, I can almost breathe thinking about it that way. Like it makes like, it feels like, okay, that makes sense to me. I'm not arguing about this or that. Um, God is still sovereign and yet I'm still making choices, um, in my life. Yeah. And I think another thing about it is that, that unfortunately that conversation, a lot of times, uh, always, not always, but a lot of times comes from and also moves towards negative side of life. Like, for example, um, nobody's going to question the sovereignty of God and his will if it's his will for you to be a millionaire, right? Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's his will that you get a million dollars every week in your bank account, like nobody's going nobody's to have a problem with that. Like it's going to be an okay deal. That's it's right. Like, Lord is God, sovereign. Right? Bless so his name. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of the times like, people have, the, it's the real problems that, that kind of trigger the suffering and the bad things that happen. Um, you know, or, you know, why would God allow or send people to hell? Those kinds of questions, um, that tends to be nested in because if, you know, it was God's will that, you know, every single person, you know, ended up in heaven all the time. I just, I don't feel like there would be, um, as much of a, uh, of a pushback towards it. And so, you know, I think that it's, it's good, healthy. That's a really good, I've heard that. I just had forgotten that illustration until you said that. And that's a really, really great way to put it because, it was a very, very beautiful thing for your grandson to be walking around and doing and exploring and learning. And he was having all kinds of fun. You know, he'll probably remember pieces of that at some point in time, flashback when he's 20 years down the road. But he also has no clue how dangerous that road is. Exactly. Um, and oh, the yeah. catastrophe that could be waiting there had you not been there um, to provide even potential um, punishment had he tried to run towards that or something. And so... It's an interesting, I think it's, I think it's a healthy, if we can enter into those types of conversations from a very healthy and positive, um, like a conversational uh, position, I feel like it's super helpful to do that as opposed to a, Sarah, I'm going to try to convince you to agree with me, you know, on this kind of thing. Well, that's why I look for life experience stuff because Calvin, John Calvin called uh, the Bible, God's baby talk. And it's, 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 it's human communication from God. So I, that's why I look for inside of life. Uh, illustrations like that because I think one of the reasons people trip up is because they think of it as completely beyond their own experience when it's really not when you think about it. You actually have a free will sovereignty thing that goes on uh, in your own life and in your own experience, uh, especially if you do have children. And if you've, if you've ever taken care of children, you don't have to have them yourself. <laughs> it's you've, true. Uh, if you've ever worked in the nursery, uh, that's yeah. uh, you've got that going on. Just had a John Calvin reference on the One Life podcast. Uh, that's right, Betty. Wow. That's right. We can break out more of that. That's all right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it, one thing that's always interesting is a lot of times when we get kickstart questions, a lot of these are similar questions that a lot of people all have. And right. um, it's not that these questions have gone away and Brett kind of made this reference before we started, you know, is that we're not just going to answer it and be like, okay, you never have to ask these questions again because we know people are going to continue asking them. So it is another reminder that all of this right now that we're doing is try to create a conversation for you to continue having conversation of yourself. Um, as you learn, hopefully this is an opportunity for you to grow from that as well as you kind of find, um, yeah, where God's leading you on that answer. So, um, I'm move on to another question and, uh, we'll ask Josh how the table series <laughs> fits into this. Um, when God made all the large dinosaurs, what era is that the Bible? It never really mentions it. Was the time they walked on the earth before or after Christ? It doesn't say anything about Noah bringing the dinosaurs on the ark. Just always wondered. Mm. Oh, I thought Josh had to yeah. go first because he's at the table oh, sitting. Oh, that reminds me of relationships. <laughs> you know how to get in a group to study that stuff. Talk about yeah, that's why if you want to sit at the table, we have to launch a new growth group to talk about the dinosaurs. Right. And so. You know, it'd be packed. We would be a small group, be a large yeah. group. We've got that question so I'm many sure. times. We, so it, would, it would be yeah. a packed group. And we did it before, but... Um, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I also, I have to highlight that as we were launching um, a preteen room at our East Campus, one of the questions that they wanted to talk about was, what about dinosaurs? So, and uh-huh. every time, every time I've led 
um, a middle school or high school group, one of the first times I'm like, what questions you guys want to talk about? What about dinosaurs? Every age group wants to know about dinosaurs. So it just doesn't go away. That's right. That's where you say, ah, they didn't exist. And then you go on the next thing. <laughs> it's all a conspiracy. Super helpful. That's that's right. Right. That's conspiracy. Right. I like that. That's right. Find a documentary. Yeah, that's right. So I have zero frame of reference for an answer for this question. Just yeah, being honest. That, that, I mean, I, right? I've never looked into I need to look okay. into it because but I think me and my sons are going to do that together. Oh, good. Okay. Just to kind of draw well, I, well, in that case, I have a few things. Uh, it doesn't have to do with my grandson yet, because I, but I know he'll ask about dinosaurs, so I might as well get ready. Uh, there's and, and this is uh, to Sarah's point. Uh, I think one of the things uh, and and answers to these kinds of questions are uh, for me, it, like the grandson example, is that's what's helped me to mentally kind of navigate uh, a doubt or a problem or some kind of stumbling block in my head. And on the on the dinosaur question, that's the same thing. I, I think you want to answer these questions in a way that can help you navigate back to who Jesus is, what he did on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. You want to want to start there and work your way back. So if I know the resurrection is real, uh, then I can kind of okay. Well, what does he say about dinosaurs? Well, there's a, and and to the point in the question. The Bible doesn't talk about a whole lot of things when you think about it. There's a lot of subject matter it leaves out. Uh, Francis Schaeffer said that the Bible gives us, um, it doesn't give us exhaustive revelation, it gives us sufficient revelation. Exhaustive means it would talk about everything, which it does not do, but it gives us sufficient. In other words, God wanted to communicate to you what you needed to know to know him, period. That's It's, it's all there. Then he gives a lot of bonus tracks, it seems like, in there. So on the dinosaur question, we, we did talk about this last time. We did, yeah. That there's, and I go with schools of thought. I used to be, and I say this very hesitantly, I used to be a pretty rabid uh, a young earther as far as frame of reference for that. Uh, I've loosened up on that a whole lot. I treat it almost like a, I call it front burner issues and back burner issues. I kind of let it cook back there in the background, but I reserve the right to be a young earther at any time I want to. <laughs> just, that's how I handle it. It's like, a, I'm going to be one today. That's fine. Because first of all, it's not, it's, it's such a not slam dunk, uh, thing that I feel like I can uh, I can operate with that but as far as so you could look at it the way a young earther would look at it is he didn't he could have put dinosaurs on the ark uh, but think about this if you were going to put animals on a boat and you had a limited space what would you do just ask I'm asking you guys what would you do how would you handle that I can't let the space air. be too long. We're on a podcast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a, like a, it's, don't don't know, be afraid of silence in a small, small group. But on first. a podcast, we aren't afraid of silence. <laughs> dead smallest ones first. Smallest one. Well, but think about it. You don't, Nothing says you have to have a full-grown animal on there. Yeah, if you know if you're going to have a grizzly bear on there, wouldn't you rather have something that was cute and cuddly and you could just carry around like a young one? You yeah. wouldn't put a full size, you know, ten foot tall grizzly bear mm. on the ark. You just let him grow up. So it's the same with uh, same with dinosaurs. That's what they would say. They would say, well, they could have had, you know, dinosaurs start as reptiles and eggs. So why not have one that's, you know, Dinos. six inches long, and put it on the ark? <laughs> then you've got all of them in one box. So you know? I just so, had a vision so, of an ancient person going after a dinosaur egg <laughs> in my mind like, going after a, dinosaur like egg? a velociraptor egg or something you know it's like yeah, that's I, right. <laughs> I yeah, gonna get that egg Sorry. but that's it the, the answer is how they get these giant <laughs> yeah. things on there it's the same way you'd get an elephant on there you wouldn't pick some giant full-grown elephant you just pick a baby elephant put it on there by yeah. the time it's off the ark it could reproduce all the rest so anyway that's that's answer on the younger side others would just say that the the ages that they live did predate uh, much of the creation story that you're not or, or those the not the creation story, but the stories within the Bible where Abraham and um, the first mm-hmm. chapters of uh, Genesis do come up, and uh, I lean that way for reasons I won't get into now because it's a little bit belabored. If you want to follow up, I would love to be able to answer those things. But um, that it, that it pretty much that that the eras of the world kind of follow what geologists would say. Uh, but there is a lot of debate out there, and some will probably push back on me pretty hard for saying that. So yeah, I uh, I listen to. Um, I've been kind of looking at some of that stuff recently. Um, I've been studying through kind of the, the, like the, uh, Torah and, you know, just the real old Testament stuff. Um, and, um, one of the resources that we point people to at one life is the Bible project and the Bible project podcast. Um, and then the kind of the hit, uh, I guess the main teacher from the Bible project, mm-hmm. Tim Mackey has a separate podcast that I listen to some too. Um, and, and he, he kind of explained Genesis is broken into two, um, pretty distinct 
areas. There's Genesis one through eleven, and then there's twelve through fifty, and they they're they're pretty different. Um, and he said one through eleven, the way he explained it was one through eleven is more like the thirty thousand the thirty thousand feet view of you know all of this stuff that happened, and that could have happened over you know a period of time that's undetermined. Um, but then it zooms in at chapter twelve on the family of Abraham and then starts to track with that right. because uh, like you said and in, in John um, it says that you know there's tons of things that are not written here um, Jesus did so much that it couldn't be contained in all the books in the world or whatever there's tons of things that are not in the biblical narrative but that doesn't mean that they're not historical or didn't happen and that 30,000 foot view of that Genesis 1 through 11 um, is just kind of setting the stage for Abraham and his lineage, which is what points directly to Jesus eventually. And that's, you know, that's just how they get there. And, and so I thought that was really insightful about that because it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. And so the answer is not there, but, Hmm. um, but there, I mean, the Bible doesn't point, you know, you away from dinosaurs being on the ark or, you know, them being around. Yeah. If you, if you, if you look at the whole Genesis thing, the more I've heard uh, scholars like that, they, they point out that first of all, Genesis one is very unique in the history of literature. And it's this amazing thing. And no one can quite define what it is. The people that really have a lot of expertise at looking at the language, they said it's unlike any other piece of literature that they can find. It has similarities to things, but it's not a poem. It's not a hymn, but it sort of is a hymn, and it sort of is a poem, but it sort of is narrative. And they said it's sort of a lot of things, mm. but it's so unique to itself. But that's why they kind of put it in this territory where it's it's dealing factual information, but at the same time in a way that's more poetic and, and all this kind of thing. So uh, that's why we have to think about, you know, literary genres and all those things. Mm-hmm. So, but the dinosaur question, you, I, I think you have the option of, you can track with exactly what scientists say, but remember science is a moving target too. And who knows if I were you, I would, I would look into young earth stuff too. I, they're, they're not, some people dismiss that as, ah, that's ridiculous. No, it's really not. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. I, I had a blast with it. And there's a lot of interesting insights to, to give them a shot at doing. And we're talking Harvard guys. I mean, there's, there's one fairly uh, well-known um, uh, young earther that's uh, that is a Harvard paleontologist. And so, huh. yeah. So, you know, don't dismiss them outright. So it's interesting. There is so much information out there. So many different people with different information that they've studied, and not believing that you know, um, I don't know. They're always everyone's looking for something, and they're finding information. So there's a lot to look up. Um, it's funny. I was looking um, at the podcast email, and there was someone actually asked, I meant to bring this up a couple weeks ago uh, on Braxton Hunter's episode, they asked in the comments, um, were kangaroos on the ark? So it's like still even that question is similar in that, you know, right. it's just well, like yeah, again, the Bible so doesn't say that dinosaurs, they didn't yeah. say kangaroos, it didn't say zebras, it didn't say a lot of things. Right. It doesn't really tell you other than the sheep and all that. Sheep are always there. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> referenced in They're every sure Bible there. chapter. But uh, yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to ask uh, two more questions. We've got time for about two more questions. And so um, this one is more of a statement, but I think we'll, we'll ask the question from it. Um, the person just wrote, quote, how, how to live with a non-Christian. How do you live with a non-Christian? Um, I'm not sure if that is in reference to a marriage or if it's just in reference to in general, uh, maybe a, just someone who is a non-Christian and you live with them. Uh, maybe it's family, like parent, uh, sibling. And I think that that is definitely a question that um, Ryan should answer. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I think it's really... Or discuss, I should so say. marriage is kind of my, my wife's thing that we spend a lot of time in and we, we work on with other couples and things like that. So I'll take that angle. Um, so actually, I've known, I've known several couples to where, you know, one of them either... Uh, is a follower of Jesus and the other one wasn't when they got married or, or they maybe uh, one of them came to know uh, Jesus after um, they had gotten married and the other one did not follow. Um, and I think the, <clears throat> the, the biggest challenge that I've noticed um, in that is when, you, when you're in a marriage situation or it really could be anybody that you love a lot, right? You always want what's best for them. And if you've had this radical experience uh, of, of encountering, you know, this grace from Jesus that we were talking about earlier that we tend to forget so much sometimes, then I think what I've learned is that what you, people tend to want for their spouse or their kids or anybody else, people that they love the most, is they want them to have that same experience. And they want it so bad. And, and like I know a lady I grew up with, she prayed for her husband for like 32 years. Mm. And he didn't come to know the Lord until after he retired from work. I mean, they raised their kids together. They're great people. 
And then he, you know, he retired. He, he met the, he came to be a follower of Jesus. And then now he's, you know, serving and leading and doing things. And so it was, it was a journey um, uh, for them. But I do, I know for a fact that she, uh, she struggled with that for a really, really long time. And, and I think the hardest part is it feels like it's two um, kind of different journeys that, you, that you're going to go on. Um, you're wrestling through that. And I think um, how do you live with somebody that's uh, not a follower of Jesus when you are? And I think the answer to that question uh, is that you afford them the same grace that you've been given. Mm-hmm. And you understand that their journey is not yours to uh, control. Uh, it's not, you know, their their relationship with or to the Lord is is not up to you. It's not in your hands. Uh, but So do what you can and, and manage your expectations outside of that. And that would be my thing because, um, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we you know, the, the scripture tells us to, that we pray for one another and we do things like that and we we, um, we share the, the gospel or the good news whenever we can, uh, whenever we get the opportunity, we, we do that. But we, at the end of the day, the changing is on him. And that's a pretty freeing thing for us as, as believers and followers of Jesus is that I don't have to worry about changing anybody. Um, but what I get to do is I can pray for them, I can love them well, I can serve them well, and I can show them grace uh, upon grace uh, with patience. Yeah, and remember that uh, other people are just as tough as you were to right. come to Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's something I got to remind myself of. I was no easy project. I mean, it's, it's so, you know, someone that I'm kind of wanting, I don't, why doesn't he get this? Well, the same reason you didn't. You know, <laughs> it's uh, so good. You know, it's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, you know what's coming right now, right? The table, table series. series. <laughs> I feel like I, I wish I had a little button I could press, and it's just like table Here series. It comes. Table yeah. Series so uh, Ryan men, kind of a mention uh, of it, it that you have to afford them the same grace that you've been afforded, and and I think that goes back to if you if you're living with someone, whether it's a spouse or a sibling or a you know whatever, just a loved one um, or a roommate, you know whatever that that doesn't see things the way you see them, um, that you have to be careful not to come across like there's some sort of either like superiority or exclusivity or something like that. You have to avoid them that same level of grace and you have to be willing to invite them to the table um, because, you know, I mean, that, that's the whole goal. If we, if we believe, or, you know, I truly believe that um, what I've found is, is incredible and I want them to experience that. Um, and I want them to pull up a seat with me, um, but it's never going to be. I can't force them into the chair and drag them to the table because it has to be something that they. Well, you probably could. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, but. Um, that's a side note. Josh uh, sometimes in his spare time is someone who fights in an octagon. So just so you should know. Just, yeah. just like you know, every once every other year now apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But yeah, I think that, you know, it goes back to, um, like before we came to the table, before we, you know, got where we are, um, Jesus loved us while we were still yet sinners. And, you know, we just have to love them, serve them the same way Jesus did with us and the same way he does with them. And if we continually, um, pursue excellence in exemplifying Jesus, then, you know, that, that message is going to be. I mean, lived out. It doesn't have to be something that you beat into their head until they, you know, finally just comply with your will. I mean, it's something that you can live out and exemplify and, you know, hopefully that they see it through you. Well, one of the, one of my favorite things about Christianity in general is that it's, it's a a belief system uh, that allows for disagreement. Like it's a belief system that, um, that really allows coexistence with anybody, regardless of who they are, or what mm. they believe or what they don't believe. And that's not super common in the world of, of religious belief. Yeah, that's and right. it's, it's a pretty, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, and it's no, it's worth noting in First Peter that in the case of a, of a wife that's married to an unbelieving husband, he coaches them uh, to, you know, treat their husband with gentleness and respect so that they'll be won over without mm. words. I love that little phrase, won over without words. In other words, so words should come last uh, in, yeah, your, in your living with someone. That uh, Just keep your behavior as the front, you know, the front sales pitch that you're making. Yeah, and I think um, as I'm thinking about that question again, I'm always trying to uh, look at it from two sides because I think from one we're looking at like how do we do this, but I also think that most of the time when someone's asking that question, they're so excited about 
what mm. they've received that they want other people to know about it so much um, that it can come off as like, why don't under, other people understand? Why don't, you know, why, how do I live with this person? Um, that sometimes just living your life and people seeing the joy that you have is what makes the change. And what's the, makes them ask questions at least of like, what's different about you. Mm-hmm. And it leads into a conversation that you want to force to have, but a lot of times you can't. And I've made that mistake um, before and uh, wish I wouldn't have, but I learned from it for sure. But one thing I would say um, from a student perspective, um, as I've worked with students in the past, I've worked with a lot of students whose parents do not believe but they do um, as you know, middle school or high school kids. And I think that there's something that is so beautiful about that because that they've come to this realization of something that's personal for them, but they want their parents to have that as well. And they've asked this question, how do I get, you know, my parents to come or how do I get them to come to church or hear what I have? Um, and a lot of it is just, they'll come and check it out because they've been like, something's different in my child. You know, I want to see that. And so I think that that is usually would be my response is just live what in, in the grace and the joy that God has given you. And I think people will, that love you will see that as well. Yeah. And I think too, kind of to uh, piggyback off that, I think an over eagerness can a lot of times be detrimental to, you know, what you're going for. Um, because if you're, if you come across as, you know, too, I mean, too abrasive or whatever, then it, it may not allow them to see, um, you know, if, see it as well as if you're just living it. Um, if you're just right. living it and you're not trying to force your, your, you know, view worldview on them, then they're, they're more likely to see it as an illustration rather than like, like Brett said, words True. last. And a mistake I made, um, when I was in college, I thought that one of my roommates was someone who I would have considered was not a Christian. And years later, she always asked, why didn't you ever invite me? And I had this in my head that she didn't want to come, but so I never invited. And if I would have, she said she would have came. Mm. And so I think that was something for me to learn is I've, I was putting, you know, um, I was deciding who, um, as Bob Goff, who heard him last week was under the hat. He was saying, you know, who's under the hat. You know, I was deciding I was writing her story and I didn't invite. And she's like, why didn't you invite? I would have came. And so I think keep inviting, keep asking, you know, even if they say no, I don't think they're going to be annoyed by you asking unless you're, you know, like mad if they say no so, okay just want to invite <laughs> that's so. right yeah that's a good tip don't get mad if they say how no. dare you yeah. say no to me. <laughs> josh will fight you just kidding <laughs> um okay so i'm going to ask one last question and this one actually came in um from to the podcast which if you have any questions that you'd like to ask for another session like this or just in general about one life or the, or the podcast in general you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org that comes to me and i usually um save them up first for days like this so one of them um that came in was someone recently asked me why one life doesn't have any symbols of God or Jesus like a cross or anything. I didn't know what to tell them. Can you explain? Well, if they'd go to kickstart, they would have <laughs> <laughs> see how that works. It's pretty, right. Actually, I say that, but I don't think we deal with that at kickstart. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think yeah. we said that. Why? Well, okay. The first why is this sounds horrible to say, but I can say no one really thought of it necessarily just because when we designed our first building over in Henderson, uh, we knew the look we wanted and we knew, uh, actually we used to have pictures that hang, hung from the ceiling that I still sort of miss. Uh, but we wanted to do something that was different. I will say that we, we, we hung some photos, artistic photos from the ceiling because we wanted them to see art. We wanted, uh, the building to be surprising. We wanted it to be different when they, than what they were used to. And you know, when you walked in, uh, because the whole point was to, I always say I, I, I want to try to come in through the back door of people's minds and hearts instead of just doing exactly what they expect us to do because uh, most people in our area, we're in the Midwest, we have to remember that, we're in the Bible Belt, they've been there, done that. They've some, they have church background, mm-hmm. and so they have this caricature in their head of what church is going to be when they walk in the door. Well, we wanted from the very, mm-hmm. you know, the front doorknobs to be different than what they had in their heads. Right. So they would just start thinking about it differently. And that means the messaging, that means means everything, all the details. And when we first designed the first building. And so we didn't think in terms of putting up crosses or any of the typical things, only because of that. We're certainly not against them. I'm not. We've, we put a cross over in the West Side campus for a while. Uh, we, we did one, though, that we welded. Uh, there was a guy that welded a piece of art out of it and all that. So we wanted to take a different approach. But really, that was the core idea, was to be different, to be unexpected, uh, to get past what I call uh, heard it all beforeism, mm-hmm. uh, because there, a lot of people suffer from that. They walk in, they walked in Easter yesterday. Okay, well, how many Easter messages have I heard? How many? Well, 
let's try something that maybe you haven't heard before. With, uh, and that's why we open up the songs that we do. It's just kind of put people a little bit off their normal balance. And But it's not an anti, we don't do crosses thing. It's more of a, we'd like to do something different thing. Just to champion kickstart just a little bit you do uh, touch on that course. in one of the kickstart videos oh, I do really? oh, okay. That, okay. at the just the inception of of one life the the whole thought process on it was that you you just kind of had this vision of of a place where people could come of all walks of life and like different areas on the spectrum of faith whether that's you know just a long-time believer or or what we call an explorer um who just has hard questions and they can gather together and and find a place where they can ask those hard questions and get a gracious answer. Um, and you know, that all that intentionality is, is kind of built into, you know, the way things look. I mean, it, it's, it is a little less traditional because tradition we've, I mean, like you said, people have seen that. Um, and so we just wanted to offer, you know, I guess I wasn't around at that point, but you know, offer (laughs) something different. Um, yeah, and I remember I, I can still remember the three pictures we put up, and they were and they were kind. Of, one of them was of this little girl from Afghanistan. There was a great photo; it could have been in Life magazine or something. But it was, I loved it because it was so striking. And why is that there? I mean, because <laughs> it, it, it was a beautiful shot. But it was it had something to do with global missions. Uh, we had been Afghan. We wanted, but we wanted that question to come up. And I think if someone just sees like a cross, well, everybody's used to seeing crosses, and they wouldn't ask that. But if they see this picture of this little girl from Afghanistan, this kind of artsy shot, she had this kind of makeup on her eyes, and she was looking at the camera a certain way. It's still in Henderson. It causes you. I know it's somewhere. I want it. If we're not going to use it, I want it in my <laughs> office or something. But but it would cause you to think differently. It's just like, why is that there instead of, it, I hate to say it this way, but most people, if they walk past a cross, they don't think at all. <laughs> now, if we could think of a way to present one where it did cause them to think or reflect or wonder in any way, then that would be kind of interesting way to do things. So that's why we were, uh, that's for me, that's the definition of art. And that's one of our core values as well that you can learn about in Kickstart if you'll go this way. <laughs> I'm glad someone asked that question. I'm, I had never heard that um, response, so. That's good. Had you really? No, nope. oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I I would have gotten to that if I thought about it, but I okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, thank you, everyone, to uh, submitting questions. And, and again, you know, as you go through Kickstart, uh, feel free to ask questions, and we're going to do our best to try to talk about them. And again, just have some conversations. And um, this is fun for us. It's fun for us to hear the thoughts that you're having as you're um, exploring faith, exploring one life, and, and we love doing that. Um, and so we are going to kind of wrap up as we um, connect and con- or I'm sorry, kick off to um, our Common Chaos series. We we kick that off this past Easter Sunday and then um, I know Brett's going to be diving into that this Sunday. Brett, what can we expect this Sunday? Well, uh, the way we, we did say relationships, uh, addictions and stress and it'll kind of follow that basic pattern. The first couple of weeks we'll talk about relationships and then we'll kind of bridge over into addictions and finish up with stress. But we're going to run all three of them kind of, I'm going to try to thread the, them all but uh, we said we're going to look at scientific data on these things and then we're going to look at the biblical data and then we're really going to emphasize the power of God side of this. We're asking, we're our staff is is going to be praying and and our prayer teams are going to be praying for those names that were turned in on Easter um, over the six-week period and uh, by name and we're going to uh, we're really asking God to do some powerful stuff so that's the plan awesome well thank you Ryan and thank you Josh for joining us um, today it's been really fun getting to hang out with you guys as always been better for us oh, nice it's better to be here I can't wait I'm going to be over hanging out in Henderson this week shooting a video checking out the new wall yeah. oh yeah it's pretty exciting. exciting. It's a whole whole it new is. world That's in right, uh, the right. Henderson campus. So if you That's haven't been right. over there in a while, you should check it out um, as we're making some changes in the lobby. So it's pretty exciting. But thank you guys all for joining us um, on the podcast. As always, we really appreciate it. If you subscribe, share, leave us a comment. We want more people to hear these conversations as well. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Church Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and subscribe. That way you'll get an alert anytime there's a new episode. If there was something that you heard that you really want other people to know, share it out on social media. You can use the hashtag OLPodcast. To ask us a question here at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and I produced this episode. Our music is produced by Micah Robertson and Ben Brock.